Hello, and welcome to Cult Fiction, a podcast where we re-examine Hollywood's red-headed stepchildren. As a red-headed stepchild myself, I'm Stephanie Johnson. And I'm Andy Boel. And today we are pulling back Hollywood's crypt to review George Lucas's Howard the Duck. Howard the Dick, more or less. <laughs> yeah. He's an ass. Yes. He's very unlikable. This is very 80s. <laughs> this movie was bad. This movie was bad. Though we've watched some real bad movies, and I don't think this was worse than any of them. I don't think. No. It was just not good. Yeah, it's fair. It's been a ticking clock on our list for a while. It's right up there with Anaconda. This is true. And this is, I think, like categorically seen as one of the worst movies ever made. Yeah. So... I don't know what it says about us that we can think, I can think of at least three that were worse. (laughs) Well, I will say, so I'm going to start with our reading recommendation right off the top, but they talk a lot about Howard the Duck, both as a comic and as a movie, in Marvel Comics, The Untold Story by Sean Howe, which is a whole lot of different unknown things about Marvel and different stories about what gets funded, what doesn't, and kind of the background of comics. But they talk a lot about Howard the Duck and how it kind of sunk some things. Yeah. Um, One of those things being George Lucas's animation studio. Oh, no. This is actually like kind of my favorite thing. I had no clue about this movie. So George Lucas had just built Skywalker Ranch, his $50 million ranch that he lives on sure and was counting on this movie to like financially balance the books oh no and this was a super fucking bomb and so in order to pay off the debts george lucas (laughs) wound up selling uh lucasfilm's brand spanking new animation company to steve jobs of all people and then somehow that turned into pixar so really, we have Howard the Duck to thank for Up. Literally. Well, you know what? I guess fine. <laughs> sure, I'll take it. If this terrible movie had to exist so we could all cry in the first 10 minutes of Up, I'm fine with it. Absolutely. And the first 10 minutes of Finding Nemo. And the last 10 minutes of Toy Story. Every Toy Story. Toy yeah. Story 3? Yeah, every Forget Toy Story. Forget it. Forget <laughs> it. Toy Story 3, I can't watch. I'm a mess. Speaking of movies we will not ever see on this show. <laughs> uh, this was directed by a guy named Willard Huck. Hoik? Yuck. Yuck. That's how it looks. And um, Willard Huck, much like um, Walter Murch, is an editor friend of George Lucas's. He's also a writer. He wrote uh, American Graffiti and Temple of Doom. So they made his bones, but this wound up being one of four movies he directed. This wound up being the last movie he ever directed. Well. So this is the second movie we've looked at that essentially killed a director's career the other being return to oz oh right a movie i look back on so fondly especially in context of howard the duck (laughs) um (laughs) this is rated pg somehow yes is it like 80s pg where so standards are different i mean i think a bit but the other part of it is like you know we said this when we 
pulled the episode, like, this movie has duck titties. It has duck titties a lot sooner than I was expecting. Duck titties in, like, the first three, four minutes or so. (laughs) But I think because they're duck titties and fake and, like, clearly just, like, some plastic paper mache prop, it got around nudity in the rating system. I guess, but the main care the main female lead Beverly almost gets raped. This is true. Uh there is definitely some sexual content between her and Howard somehow. Somehow. Bestiality? Yeah. Happens. Yeah, I think you're right. 80s. 80s. <laughs> 80s. Um, So real quick, for those of you who skipped the movie, Howard the Duck is the story of Howard the Duck, a uh, private investigator living in an alternate earth where ducks replaced monkeys as the creature that evolved. And he is transported across universes, galaxies. Who's to say? It's really not clear at all. To our earth where he then meets punk rocker Beverly and has to find a way to get home fighting dark overlord aliens, 80s punks, and the viewer. I'm going to go ahead and say Howard fights the viewer of this movie. Well, my eyeballs certainly felt assaulted. Exactly. (laughs) And, like, the question is why... (laughs) The question is, why did this movie exist? Why were choices made the way they were? You know, speaking of the director, I didn't write this down, but I did know that this was supposed to be directed by John Landis, who is a much better director who did uh, Ghostbusters and a bevy of other 80s movies that aren't coming to mind right now, but like a competent director. Okay. And then I think somehow it just wound up going to Willard Hook. <laughs> And this is what we got. Um, So starting off, just going off my sheet here, like, I want to ask you, we see the character, I just called her Duck Titties, that's her name. (laughs) This woman is in her bathroom, enjoying an afternoon off of work, and another person goes shooting through her apartment, and she doesn't even react. I don't know if you caught that. Like it's normal. Okay, yeah, someone shooting through my house. Doesn't even lift up her head. And I just, I noticed a martini glass in her hand and I wondered how drunk is she? (laughs) How drunk would you have to be? At least four martinis drunk. At least. Four, five? Yeah, it depends on how strong the martini, I guess. Also depends on how strong the person shooting through your apartment is. (laughs) Um... My favorite part of this movie is Leah Thompson. And that is incredibly fair. I think she is one of two elements of this movie that you can at least, like, honestly enjoy. Um, I enjoyed Leah Thompson, but I definitely, like, it's baked into me that she's the mom from Back to the Future. (laughs) So... Whenever she, like, the first scene, she's being super punk rock, and it's like, yeah, I'm here for it, okay. And then by the time she, um, like, she meets Howard and they get to her apartment, I kept getting just incredibly, like, more maternal than 
her character should have been vibes, which made the sexual tension an extra layer of weird for me. (laughs) Well, she is taking care of him because Howard is an alien from another planet. He clearly has PTSD. He sees a chair. So he shot through the universes in space while sitting in an armchair. Mm -hmm. Um, Because scientists on Earth have armed a super laser and have pulled him from his original dimension. But he sees an armchair in Leah Thompson Beverly's apartment and he starts freaking out. So it's very clear this duck has PTSD and Leah Thompson's character of Beverly just takes care of him, nurtures him, kind of shows him the way through the planet, finds someone for him to talk to who might know a way to send him back home. She is kind of motherly in a way. She is, but you know, she also just... Like, I had more of an issue with Beverly as a written character than Leah Thompson. I think Leah Thompson, by the most part, gives, like, a decent paycheck's worth of acting for this movie. Like, she's she's certainly doing better than some people on screen. But there were still just some moments that were very weird for me. It might have been the hair. I am not 80s enough for that hair. The, the pleated, like... I thought it was kind of cute. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, I mean... Um, I will say, I was as here as I think anyone can be for the scene where Leah Thompson is walking around in her very 80s skimpy jammies. (laughs) Their chemistry is awkward, and her very sudden affection of Howard seems... Forced? Yeah, like I, I legitimately the scene where they almost start like doing anything and, and they kiss at the end and that's when people walk in. I really honestly am not sure if she was just playing it as I'm going to tease this guy. Yeah. Or if there was an actual like underlying layer of affection. Oh, sure. You yeah. never know. You never know. It's very clearly shot in L.A. Yeah. Like it's. I don't know, maybe that's just me, but there are scenes where I'm like, yeah, it's supposed to be, what, Cleveland? It's supposed to be Cleveland. It's not Cleveland. No. You can see, actually, this is, I'm remembering this now, there's a scene where they're chasing Howard, and you can see, like, the California mountains in the background. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not well done at all. The writing is shit. The pacing is shit. <sighs> I've got a headache. And I got the aspirin. <gasps> Be gentle. It really, yeah, like, it, it boils down to the writing. This is a amazingly awful, lazy script. It could have been okay. It could have been okay. Like, I, there, there are at least a couple things I can walk out of Howard the Duck liking, which is still more than I could say for Blood for Dracula, for instance, or <laughs> even Killer Clowns. Like, I respect the practicality of everything Mm -hmm. yeah this was the 80s so cgi really wasn't an option but like they could have done the mr limpet thing and just had howard be a cartoon character yeah which you know we were still doing in like 90s movies of just yeah it's an alien we're we're gonna draw it and it'll be fine but (laughs) to go through the lengths there were like four different actors who physically played howard Um, And then somebody else who voiced him, but to have like a real actor in a suit 
and I think a couple of different animatronics, but to actually like make this real and make all the ducks real and you know make the uh, the dark alien overlord at the end. He was claymation, but he was still real. Like at least I can get behind that of like, okay, we're we're doing a thing. I don't know if it's a good thing, but we're doing it. <laughs> I lost it at the Dark Overlord, and that's still only about halfway through the movie. That yeah. that plot took a wild right turn. <laughs> I just I didn't care for it. It felt a little thrown in. It felt very thrown in. It was my favorite part of the movie. I know. And I think that might just have to do more with the actor who played the Dark Overlord. It's uh, Principal Rooney from Ferris Bueller. Uh, so the actor was Jeffrey Jones, who again he's Principal Rooney in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He was the uh, the lead scientist, and he's been in a bunch of different stuff. I actually really respect the actor, and he just had like the time of his life doing this. You could tell just the stupid, simple, silly, chew the scenery. I'm the bad guy, um, kind of vibe here. I. I really had time for his performance in a way that I didn't think I would have time for anything in this movie. <laughs> like dark overlords, my favorite. Well, he's also so sassy. He's a sassy bitch. And I love it. <laughs> like the mo- we're, we're cut, we're cutting way ahead, but the moment in the Cajun sushi restaurant, um, which first of all, sounds just like a bad time, Mm-mm. but the moment where Howard is basically about to get lynched, and Leah Thompson has the line about how, like, oh, he's my favorite duck. I love him. And you just hear the Dark Overlord just go, you've known him a week. <laughs> I love it so much. You're not really in love. Like, well, but I mean, fair. This can't be your favorite duck. You can't be in love with somebody. You, at most, you have a crush. Like, there are, there are rules for how this sort of attraction works. <laughs> That uh, Cajun sushi place not only looks like a bad time, but looks like a great way to get a disease. I mean, yeah. Cajun sushi. Those don't... I'm all in for, like, mixing cuisine and and new age, trying shit. Cajun sushi. Nope. I don't know. You know what's always a good time, food-wise? Carl's Jr. (laughs) Yeah. A Carl's Jr. would never blow up. I was about to say, you know what restaurant won't go down in flames on an average Saturday night is a Carl's Jr. <laughs> <laughs> and it won't give you food poisoning, which Cajun sushi absolutely will. Probably. Most definitely, probably. <laughs> um, so something interesting to me, just going into like the grander scope of the movie... You haven't seen it yet, but uh, at time of recording, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie oh, yeah. is is pretty recent and has nearly the exact same plot. You know, a a animated cartoon character that is fairly well known in Howard's case, incredibly well known in Sonic's case. You know, travels across dimensions, winds up on Earth, befriends a person, and is hunted down by the government. Yeah, like. I just described both movies in one sense. Sonic the Hedgehog did incredibly well. It's actually uh, right now like the most successful opening for a video game movie ever. Interesting. And Howard the Duck is one of the worst movies ever made. So yeah, it, it's, it fits. Yeah, right? But it's just fascinating to me. Like it, it shows, I guess, what a better director can do. And this also, like, this falls into a lot of cheesy 80s tropes, like the totally contrived plane chase sequence. 
and the weirdness at the end with the Dark Overlord. But just, just an interesting thing of like, okay, so like 35 years later or whatever, we're doing the exact same thing, but we're finally getting it right. I thought that was interesting. Well, and I wonder too if it's like one our our modern sensibilities of like clearly this is a better movie, but also Sonic probably had a better script. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, Jim Carrey. I was there for the villain in that one too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas this, you said, felt like a bad Stranger Things sequel. Yeah, especially the part where the government starts like. Huh? Saying, we made a laser that, like, transports things, and we're hunting down the the bad guy. Like, all we needed was some telekinesis, which we actually got in the Dark Overlord. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that Stranger Thing prequel sucked. <laughs> Is literally what I, what I wrote down. <laughs> I also wrote down plot is crap, pacing is crap. <laughs> Uh, this is the second movie in cult fiction history with a love interest that someone calls Ducky. That is true. Yeah. Because yeah. Pretty in Pink and now this. Both in the 80s. What mm-hmm. happened to Ducky as a name? Uh, it's really just phased out. I think British people still use it as like a word for... I like, think you're right. Old people or people they like. Like, oh, cheer up, Ducky. Ah. <laughs> My terrible British accent. Um, there's there's no good place to put this in, but <laughs> just to be completely pedantic, if Howard is a duck and if ducks evolved, like it looks like mostly biologically they're the same. They just got bigger and grew brains and stuff. Um, we see Howard has a condom in his wallet. An unwrapped condom, mind you, which is problematic in its own regard. Gross. But did you sit here and think that Howard's condom should have been corkscrew shaped? <laughs> to accurately reflect his duck penis, which is not a sentence I thought I'd say today. <laughs> how would he... Mm, how would a corkscrew... Con- like, would you have to twist it on? Yeah, I mean, I guess you'd have to. The only other way I could think, and I... I don't, I don't like that we're talking about this anymore, but the only the only other thing I can think is like if you held it in place some way and then let the inertia of the corkscrew oh. fill the condom. I what? told you I didn't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> You're the one who wrote it down. You're the one who brought it up. I, I did. I feel bad, as I probably should. <laughs> Speaking of feeling bad... So I just kind of on principle hate Tom Arnold to the point where Tim Robbins, who is not Tom Arnold, Uh was so instantly annoying to me that for a good like half hour of the movie, I sat there thinking, just fuck you, Tom Arnold. Yeah, no, that's Tim Robbins. That is baby Tim Robbins. Baby Tim Robbins. That is Andy Dufresne like... Six years before Shawshank Redemption, I was honestly stunned when I realized, wait, holy shit, that's Tim Robbins. Okay, wait, what? I kind of loved the character he played, Phil. Sure. He's so dorky and so, like, doesn't know what to do with his hands, doesn't know how to be. He's so excited to see this duck thing. He's like, oh my god, I've discovered life. 
I've I've found alien life, and this is the greatest scientific achievement of all time. Oh, and also, I have to go clean the museum because my job sucks. I guess you're right. I could I can I I have time for Phil's character, but man, I I just hated Tim Robbins in this movie. Really? And I'm not the only one. He won a Razzie. Oh no! <laughs> Specifically for this performance. Oh, oh no. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Damage report, Phil Z. Fuel hose is busted. Rudder is wasted. Ah. Basically, we're dying here, Howard. I mean, the weird thing is, this is like one of the first movies he ever did. So it's really just like glow up to, yeah. to winning an Oscar. I think he won an Oscar. I'm assuming he won an Oscar. I don't know. Who's to say? Shawshank Redemption was good. This movie, however, was dumb. There is... Social justice! One, two, three! I wanna be PC! It's just the way to be for me! Social justice, one, two, three. A racist AF line. Which one was that? The Aztecs came from Mars. Yes. There is also a sex change line that's said in a really transphobic manner. Yes, that absolutely I caught on as just, oh, 80s. Oh, oh, 80s. Oh, 80s, why are you garbage? So, never mind the fact that we have a female character who's just like, oh, a man who doesn't treat me nice? It doesn't matter that he's a duck. He's suddenly my favorite duck in the whole world. Yeah, you know. (laughs) Just... This isn't necessarily how we usually use these didn't age well things, but there's a hot tub love hotel in this movie. <laughs> like, uh-huh. this is the part where you really get wonder how this got away with a PG rating, because the, the place Howard works for a day is made for fucking. Yup. He's, he's literally <laughs> scrubbing things down with a mop. Gross. And every other couple is going at it, and just, like, I am wholly unaware that this could ever have been a thing. Especially not in the 80s and the height of the AIDS crisis. Absolutely, yeah. There is no way this would have been a thing. No, and I don't know if this was ever a thing, but like, Hot Tub Love Hotel just screams infection. But it's also a really great band name. Hot Tub Love Hotel? Hot Tub Love Hotel. Hot Tub Love Hotel. Coming to Cleveland. Oh, no. (laughs) Opening for Cherry Bomb. (laughs) I did love Cherry Bomb as a band name. That's a great name. It's a great, like, especially because they're kind of like the Runaways. So I I could absolutely see it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta love when the script is so bad that not only halfway through do we have to have a bunch of scientists come in to explain the core question of the movie, like, how did Howard get here? Well, we did a science thing and are pulling shit from across the galaxy, and that is how you got here, my son. Um, You gotta love it even more when the bad guy of the movie has to just straight up tell you, like... Hi, hey, we're called the Dark Overlords. We're Um, gonna come. We live outside the uh, space as you know it, and we're gonna come and destroy everything. Deuces. (laughs) I don't know how this guy wrote Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom is my least favorite Indiana Jones movie. Is that the one with the pit of snakes? 
Um, no, that is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, okay. Temple of Doom is the one where a guy gets his heart ripped out, and then there's also, like, there's the scene where Indy has to eat a bunch of foreign delicacies, and it's, like, frozen monkey brains and stuff. Speaking of the, um, the Cajun diner scene, did you catch that at the table they're sitting at, there's a bottle of ketchup, and then there's a bottle of mild mustard? fuck is mild mustard that's what i want to know kind of new coke bullshit is mild mustard mild mustard like not yellow mustard just mild i mean it was yellow but it like specifically had on the label mild mustard i did not catch that but you know what i did catch there's so much branding in this movie that they turn duck oriented so yes. instead of Bloomingdale's, it's like Bloomin' Ducks. Yep. Um, they have a really good, I think it's like alternate reality McDonald's. They really need an, an alternate reality Carl's Jr. I know. But whatever. Quacks Jr.? Uh, no. I don't know. I'm, I don't have a lot of duck puns in me. I, uh, I I did appreciate all of the movie posters we got in that opening sequence where it's like, <laughs> from here to eternity, only they're ducks now. Like. <laughs> yeah, so it was insinuated that Harold had gotten in some trouble and then became a private investigator, but they never explained the trouble that he got in. Well, yeah, it's just, it's another aspect of how, like, the script is just incomplete, bad... Yeah. Make your, because he, he's got the whole thing of like, oh, my parents wanted me to go to med school and that doesn't come up Ever. in any way, shape or form other than like, I guess it was a thing, a character trope of, of the person who went to med school and then dropped out. But it's like, and then I became a private eye and then I learned Kung Fu and it's just like. No, he knows Duck Fu. Quack Fu, I think. Quack Fu. Yeah, Quack Fu. Oy vey. Quack foo, and also apparently, so okay, I, I didn't write this down at all, but I kept thinking about it in the movie. Like, birds are naturally incredibly light, fragile, like, their bones are hollow so they can fly kind of creatures. Mm-hmm. And we have numerous instances of Howard displaying just a super strength. And all I could think the whole time is like, but if, if, hmm. but if he's a duck that's gonna like shatter his entire arm Uh, hmm. he's a really evolved duck andy he's a really evolved duck it's an 80s movie don't question it why am i thinking about it this hard exactly i really would i think some of this would make more sense if you read howard the duck comics i wonder i really do but I, I hope so. I also don't want to read Howard the Duck comics. I have better things to do with my time. Well, and especially 80s Howard the Duck's comics, because, like, I'll just go ahead and tell you. So, you know, a lot of people, you yourself um, told me that you know Howard the Duck because of the end credit sequence in Guardians of the Galaxy, yep. where he cameos. And Howard the Duck is a Marvel character, despite the fact that, you know, Marvel has no point or stake in this movie there have been like as recently as like five years ago howard the duck comic runs and those might be okay i'm like scared to read 80s howard the duck just about 80s anything except like x-men i'm i'm (laughs) usually staying away from period 
that's fair. I think it's one of those things that's just a silly premise. Yeah. And they decided to make a movie of it for reasons. There's two Ant-Mans. Two. This is true. <laughs> two. Because Paul Rudd is really bored. <laughs> Paul Rudd is really bored, but also if anybody deserves a franchise, it's Paul Rudd. The man, oh, the man has so never done a wrong thing in his life, as far as I know and can tell. <laughs> but yeah, like I don't know. I can see where Lucas at least kind of thought that this would work out. You know, he's right. The name recognition alone, I think he was expecting that this was going to be something that paid off his, you know, mansion ranch. Um, as you do. As you do. But even then, like, this this almost feels like a kid's movie until you get, like, uh, Leah Thompson in some pink underwear and you get the hot tub love hotel and you get, like... Like, they spend five minutes trying to explain that Cleveland is dangerous and grungy and and 80s in that way with a very like i mean fortunately kind of what's the word i'm looking for here non-graphic and failed instantly assault yeah on her character it's it's just enough to be like okay it's the 80s everything's dangerous also these two are such badasses Leah Michelle and Howard, not the sexual assaulters. They suck. Yeah, but to be fair, as a woman, like, any place can be unsafe. So there is that. That is a very fair point. That is a very good point. But I will also say it's Cleveland. Cleveland isn't the Bronx in the 80s. It's not Harlem in the 80s. It's Cleveland. It's Cleveland. It's the midwest yeah (laughs) what are they gonna do stop and give you directions no one laughs at a master of quack foo you brought up how like half so halfway through the movie is when we get the dark the dark overlord stuff just without like paying attention to how much time was left if you had told me that the diner scene was going to then immediately lead into, like, the climax of the movie. Yeah. I would have believed you. Like, I lost all concept of time because it would have been, like, a 55-minute movie if that happened, and yet I was sitting here being like, yeah. Yeah, the movie's almost over. Yeah, this feels like I've been watching this for, like, an hour ten. Sure. No. No. Still 40 minutes there were left in the movie. 40 minutes of the movie. And like 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 I said, I liked The Dark Overlord, so I wasn't like upset to get 40 more minutes of Jeffrey Jones in increasingly like gross makeup, including the moment in the truck where this turned into the thing. What do you mean? When he like stuck a tentacle out oh. of his mouth and then stuck it in the cigarette lighter. I hated it. So he could feed. I hated it. <laughs> I especially hated how the thing that he stuck out of his mouth was incredibly phallic. Penile. Yes. And it was long and bendy and I didn't like it. <laughs> and you know what? Fair. I think if um I'm I'm glad it went in the cigarette lighter because then this wouldn't have been a PG movie otherwise. Why? Where else do tongues go, Andy? 
All I'm saying is we've got plenty of other 80s movies that I'm sure have like like there's more Peter Jackson shit like <laughs> like pre Lord of the Rings Peter Jackson shit on the list. We can I'm sure we'll see some gross makeouts. I'm glad this one wasn't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, so like so the Dark Overlord feeds on energy and stuff. And especially right. there's the moment where he like eats an entire nuclear reactor. Mm-hmm. And then he's glowing. Mm-hmm. And he gets back into the semi-truck where he left Leah Thompson. Mm-hmm. She dies, right? Like, that was all I could think of is like, okay, she's just, she's dead from radiation poisoning instantly. Nope, she like, still lives. No, I Well, yeah, I know, but like... <laughs> So I've recently seen Chernobyl on HBO, sure. which did you know a beautiful and horrifying job of de- expl- displaying exactly what like radiation poisoning can do. And all I could think during that scene was just, this man is a walking nuclear reactor now. Everyone around him is just going to start like bleeding from their pores and fall over in like an hour. Right? Nope. 80s. Lol. Lol. (laughs) Oh, man. It's hard to have more to talk about with this movie because it was just so... What the damn hell? Yeah, in a way, like, like that's almost the way that it is worse. Yeah. Because we pulled an hour out of blood for dracula we pulled an hour out of toxic avenger we pulled an hour out of killer clowns we pulled like a good 48 minutes out of um what's the the jim jarmusch one that was super boring um down by law yeah but like this movie is not only is it bad not only is it boring it's just mediocre yeah like, I, I. So Jay Leno was also was almost um. What was the scientist she likes name? Paul. Yeah. Jay Leno was almost Paul. That would have been weird. That would have been very weird. I kind of just want to see like the test footage of that. I don't like it. No, I I can't see Jay Leno in a movie. Period. Like I can't. he's late night talk show host, and I can see. Fallon, I could see Kimmel, I've seen Corden, but I don't know, Leno is just... I also can't picture Jay Leno any younger than I'm currently picturing him That's in my true. head. That's very like, true. Like, I can't imagine young Jay Leno. Like, a black, a black-haired Jay Leno. Ew, gross, <laughs> it's wrong, I don't approve. Well, I'm glad we didn't get it for that reason, then. <laughs> um, but also, so I saw, like... I didn't I didn't keep track of the name so well, but like almost every it girl of the eighties was almost Beverly. <laughs> really? Like Phoebe Cates was almost Beverly. Oh my god. And I'm here for that movie. Um oh Phoebe Cates is eighties crush a hundred percent. I don't know who Phoebe Cates is. Uh, have you seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High? No, I have not. You're gonna. Okay. <laughs> have you seen Gremlins? No. You're gonna. See, this is why we have this podcast. <laughs> exactly. To rectify all of my... Uh, Phoebe Cates, for anyone who doesn't know, um, is one of the most uh, iconic 80s, like, 
young teen girls who wasn't just like doing horror movies and shit. Okay. And um, is also responsible for maybe the most iconic topless scene of all time. And where in, in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, okay. where she gets out of the pool and is in the red bikini. Hi, Brad. Like. Okay. You know how cute I always thought you. It's iconic. Okay. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay. <laughs> Um, but I'm trying to see who else played Leah Thompson. It was like a couple of like straight up uh, singers were also up for the part, and that would have just been interesting. Like Sydney Lauper and Sydney Lauper, I think was yeah was definitely one of them. So Paula Abdul, Kim Basinger, Jody Benson, Sarah Jessica Parker. Which oh, I would have been in, down for that. in '84. I would have been down for that, no problem. Uh, Lori Singer. And um, Belinda Carlisle. That was the one that I was oh, like, really? Huh. That would have been awesome. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have hated it for, for sure. But so it's it's so interesting to me that, like, they really thought this movie was going to go well. Like, they had every little, they had every ingenue that they could go up for this part. Here, can you make having sex with a duck almost seems sexy all right paula you're on in three (laughs) (laughs) hmm so what does it say that leah thompson won that battle speaks well of her i think so i will say in leah thompson's other sexually awkward role in which she's hitting on her own son maybe that's just the part of it maybe she's just really good at awkward sexual chemistry and pushing through it anyway in a way that other people would, like, squeak out. I mean, yeah, I seriously buy that. That's got to be an incredibly, like, nuanced little bit of acting, and for no other reason than just to be able to, like, hold it together through the scene. Okay, so I'm making out with a duck. I'm making out with a duck. I'm making out with a duck. The duck I'm is in my bed. seducing a duck. I'm tiptoeing around the conversation of sleeping with this duck I met last night. Okay, Leah, here's your motivation. (laughs) He saved you from getting raped, and he's a little bit cocky and charming. Go. Yeah, there you go. She made it work. I don't (laughs) know. She did somehow. She totally got damseled and distressed by the end of it. She did. And I'm trying to think. This movie in no way passes the Bechtel test, I don't think. There's no other There's The rest of her band. We only see them the once. And they're not named. And they're not. Well, one of them is named Ronette. And I only know that because she was dating the skeezy manager that Howard beats up. And I wrote down, you can do. Or no, no, no. She's dating Paul. She's Paul's girlfriend. that's right. Oh, I forgot. Because I wrote down, you can do better, Ronette. Okay, so the other named woman in this movie, if I may move into our Oscars. Absolutely. Okay, I would like to award Howard the Duck the Oscar for Best Social Worker going to Cora May. Yes, absolutely. I loved that scene so much. She was great. That scene was great. I, I truly love the, like... Uh-uh, you're not going to mess with my numbers. I'm going to get you a job because that's what I fucking do. <laughs> Cora May had more dedication than anyone else in this movie. Yes, absolutely. I would agree with that. Um, so I would like to give the Oscar to Best Bartender. 
and this guy, this is seriously a blink and you'll miss it, but this guy captured my heart. There's the scene where Howard goes back to whatever the hell club it was to like make amends with Beverly. And this is the scene where he beats up her shitty manager and all of his friends. Um, The bartender is amazing because he is this like dude wearing dark as hell sunglasses. I'm pretty sure a beret. He had these like giant dangly cross earrings and this super thin pencil mustache. (laughs) It might have been John Waters just saying, fuck it, I'll do this for a day. (laughs) I kind of think it is. And like you see this guy do two things and both of them are amazing. The first is when like Howard stands up at the bar and, and it makes a big scene and everyone notices him and they cut to this guy for just a second and he's making this shocked (gasps) face and it's amazing. And then the second thing he does that I love is Howard is getting ready to beat up the guys and without missing a beat, just holds his hand out and the bartender hands him a bottle for him to break over somebody's head. I did see that. That guy was my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) I like that we pick out the random two bit parts in this movie and we're like, oh yeah, that's the best part. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Honorary Oscar, because this was almost my my note. This was another blink and you miss it thing. But when Howard first gets transported, he runs into all of these punks who like have varying degrees of giving a shit of what they're actually seeing. Mm -hmm. And one of the people who do definitely give a shit are this female biker gang. And the female biker gang were called the sluts of Satan. (laughs) That's a pretty friggin' good biker name. Yeah. 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 So, Howard the Duck, um, I think it won three Razzies. We've given it three Oscars. (laughs) I don't know if you deserve this honor for the first time we've done this on the show, I think, but, nah. This movie is so cult, though. This movie is so friggin' cult. Yeah, like, I'm mad it's this cult because I did not like this movie at all, but it's so cult. Almost a Rocky Horror level Mm -hmm. where just like I can jive with hate watching this and finding all of the things to like throw at the stage I'm picturing what what do we pick I'm I'm picturing Cajun sushi oh yeah I'm picturing um I bet I, I I bet you could get like some white water balloons and put feathers on them and then those are your duck titties People come in wearing duck bills. Yeah. You know. Um, corkscrew condoms. Corkscrew condoms. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm here for it. I don't know how you would make one or just condoms in general. Condoms that you bend in a really weird way. Oh. Um, I mentioned that this movie was a phenomenal financial bomb. Yeah. Um, would you like to guess how much this movie cost to make? Cost? The budget, yeah. Uh... 500 million? Not that much. 37 million. Okay, I'm really bad at math. I mean, Sam. (laughs) 37 million. For for people to compare, like, Killer Clowns was a $2 million movie. Okay. It came out either the year before or the year after. I honestly got a lot of Killer Clowns vibes, but just this was nearly 
I'm bad at math, so whatever, like, 16 times the budget. And you can feel it just in, like, general production value. Yeah. Um, and, you know, actually having actors and, and that sort of thing. They really didn't pay for a scriptwriter, which is why they just had the director do it. Um, so this movie, George Lucas put in $37 million, and this movie made five in the opening weekend. Oh no. Its total gross was 16. Its worldwide gross today, 35 years later, it is a million dollars over budget. So it, it has taken 35 years oh, no. for this movie to turn a profit. Just in terms of scale, I, I think this is the biggest bomb of a movie we've reviewed on Cult Fiction yet. So, cult AF. It's not good. No. No, No. No. You know what is good? Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. (laughs) 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 Um, So, I'm going to go ahead and go first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I like to, when I can, I kind of zone in on the actor and then I try to figure it out Sure. after that. My favorite actor in this with all respect to Leah Thompson, she just nearly missed out to Jeffrey Jones, who I unironically loved. Jeffrey Jones was in Ed Wood, which I think is on the list with Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Depp was in Black Mass, which is not on the list, but is a hell of a good movie. Uh, with Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. So I got two. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Tim Robbins? Tim Robbins. Is in Mystic River. Ah, shit. With Kevin Bacon. Yeah, okay. <laughs> when, when you got a Mystic River, you, you got to go with that. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to watch I Am Sam, but I'll be on the lookout for Sean Penn. He's the other guy I remember being in Mystic River. Movie. Really? I've heard it's a good movie. I haven't actually seen it. I mean, it's... It's... It's offensive. Like, by today's standards, it is very offensive. Fair. Anyway. Neither here nor there. Did you find a favorite quote in this movie? I did find a favorite quote. And, like... (laughs) So, I... My favorite quote is, and I'm, I'm almost positive it's the Dark Overlord who does this. I don't remember when, um, but somebody asks him a question and all he says is, I'm dead. <laughs> and I was like, done. Great. Love it. You, you nailed it in one take, Mr. Jones. Same. There is a scene where Paul is hanging out with Ronette and all the people in the band are going to go get food. And they say, oh, we're going to get pizza. And Howard says, what's pizza? And uh, Paul says, a circular Italian food object. Which is someone who you have said multiple times, pizza is your favorite food. Indeed. I was just like, oh, I vastly appreciate this for Andy. (laughs) I mean, he's not wrong. If you want to get technical, pizza isn't exactly Italian. But we talk about that on my other podcast, so there's no reason to get into it here. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a while since we've done a love-hate relationship drop, so. (laughs) Um, But anyway, 
uh, hey, look at that. We've still managed to pull out like a good, decent episode's worth of content. I'm proud of us. Look at us but go. here on Cult Fiction, there is one last thing we got to do, and that is put our hands in the Hollywood crypt and assign the next movie. So, got my random number generator. We still have 311 movies and going totally blind. Do 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 do. Ah! We've got number 74 and number 74 <laughs> is a much better movie. <laughs> That's for sure. So number 74 is Kevin Smith's Clerks. <gasps> Oh. <laughs> so we might have to do a triple episode. We might have to do a triple episode. Because I understand that is one of your husband's favorite movies. It absolutely is. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we'll see if we can talk him into it. Bend his arm. Yeah. You know, yeah. just twist it. <laughs> Well, that's all for this edition of Cult Fiction. If you want to keep up, you can follow us on Twitter at Cult Fiction Cast. You can also download our podcast on wherever you find your podcasts. We'll close the crypt for now. But join us next time when we potentially have a guest star in the uh, the incomparable Alex Ruiz. And also where we try not to suck any dicks on the way to the parking lot as we watch... 1994's Kevin Smith directed Clerks. For Stephanie Johnson, I've been Andy Bowell. Hey, hey.